Romans 12, let's do it, uh, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll go on in uh, verse 9. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then he goes on to the rest of the chapter to kind of fill that out and to give that some more meaning. So carry on in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what a joyful and special day this is as we gather as members of this congregation and as guests to celebrate the virtual completion of a building project. Now we have an attractive, beautiful, well-designed, accessible, practical, spacious building made of concrete, wood, drywall, steel, and stone. Many people have given of their time and money and many have labored for hours and days to make all this that we see around us a reality. A building that is labeled as the home of Community Christian Reformed Church. Justifiably, humanly speaking, we ought to have a certain amount of pride in what has been accomplished. This is quite the place. And now to get on with ministry, which is kind of the point of this place. We haven't put this building up at 1275 Bleams Road in Kitchener, Ontario to fulfill someone's dreams or as a showroom or to outdo anyone else or even as a clubhouse of some sort. On the contrary, we have built this building to help us further fulfill our purpose or our mission, namely, many of you can say it, to grow in relationship with God, each other, and our community. So while today we celebrate the completion of a building, we always need to remember that really what it is all about is not the building. This building, as beautiful and as attractive as it is, is merely a tool, a base, as it were, from which we carry out our ministry. It's like the children's song. Church is not a building, church is not a steeple, the church is not a resting place, the church is the people. I, you know, I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, we are the church together. Now, saying such things is not intended to take anything away from celebrating the building that we are inhabiting because it is worth celebrating. But without a purpose or an understanding of what we're all about, this will be nothing more than just a building. 
with perhaps very little life in it. Indeed, we as people are the church. We just heard that also in the children's message. Living stones in the body of Christ. But we have built a physical base to work from. And so in a little bit, we're going to be dedicating this building to the Lord and to our service to Him. Our service to Him, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. What does that service look like? Well, the passage we read from Romans 12 sums it up in verse 1. We are to offer our bodies, our lives, our very beings as living sacrifices or as an offering to him, giving him our all. And then there's a whole list of elements of what that includes in the rest of the chapter. And among the elements listed is one that jumped out at me, especially in the light of the events of today and in the light of a number of events that I've attended over this last summer or over the last year. And that's what we read in verse 13, namely, practice hospitality. Actually, the original concept is that Christians ought to pursue hospitality or be given to hospitality. On our recent vacation, my wife and I had the joy of being able to attend the, st to attend the stage play, Come From Away a play all about the people of Gander, Newfoundland, and the surrounding communities who hosted the passengers of 38 intercontinental jets who were forced from the skies on September 11, 2001, the day when the United States closed its airspace because of attacks on New York and Washington. The hospitality of the people of Newfoundland is of legend, remembered and celebrated even some 18 years later. But imagine what it would be like if they had not offered hospitality. Without the practiced hospitality, 9-11 would have been that much worse. And if the local folk hadn't taken the time to welcome the guests, the passengers of the plane, thousands of people I can't imagine what the guests to Newfoundland would have done or what they would have thought about the incredibly desolate place they landed. Certainly the airport at Gander would have been just that, an empty terminal with lots of planes stuck on a tarmac out on an island, a place of misery. But hospitality changed everything as the people of Gander and area went out of their way to care for those who had been diverted to their neighborhood. Relationships were built, and they're still celebrated today. Well, the apostle writing to the church in Rome speaks about hospitality as one of the characteristics of those who are presenting their lives as an offering to the Lord. And not only does he encourage them to be virtuous in providing hospitality when the need arose, a bed, a meal, company, whatever, but they were to be active in pursuit of it. In a world of persecution of the Christian faith by those connected to Rome or to Judaism, there was an urgent need for places where Christians, those of the way, could feel safe and welcome and spend the night 
or have a meal or whatever. And in a transient world where preachers of the gospel like Paul himself traveled about, hospitality was counted upon in order to allow the itinerant preacher not to worry about food or shelter because those things would be readily provided by hospitable believers throughout the Roman Empire. Pursue hospitality. That's not something that the Apostle Paul made up on the spot because he was one of those itinerant preachers. It wasn't like Paul simply decided that a cool way to get free lodging and meals was to lay a guilt trip on the Christians so that they would open their homes and he, and he would be all set. On the contrary, the whole concept of, of hospitality is one that permeates the Bible. It's a basic Christian principle. In getting at the roots of, Bibli of biblical roots of hospitality, Anne Voskamp, a best-selling local Christian author, one of the guest speakers at the Inspire conference held in Windsor this uh, early in August, talked about the relationship found between the members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is really cool. It's beautiful imagery. She explained the relationship of the Trinity as, quote, an endless dance of abundant, overflowing love. And she describes that dance of overflowing love on the part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as the one that created the world, brought us salvation, and continues to extend us grace. In fact, Voskamp said, our understanding of God must be found in an understanding of this abundance-filled relationship of the Trinity, a relationship filled with hospitality. Said Voskamp, quote, if life is God's great dance of abundance, then the only way to be a great servant of God is to be part of that self-giving, overflowing dance of love. It's cool. We must be willing to be similarly in relationship with others, to be servant-hearted, selfless, and willing to surrender our own desires for each other. The very shape of Christianity is hospitality, she said. And hospitality is not about entertainment. It's about making a Trinitarian gospel statement. That's powerful. And then she goes on, she says, this hospitality is subversive because it goes against the notion that we should offer hospitality, offer our hospitality only to those who make us feel comfortable. Instead, God calls us to extend hospitality to the outcasts, the marginalized, and the vulnerable of this world. That's rooted in the scriptures. Leviticus 19, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. The stranger who sojourns with you shall be to you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
Pastor, Pastor Amanda brought the same thing to our attention a couple of weeks ago when she preached from Luke 14, where Jesus spoke to the host of a dinner he attended. And Jesus said, when you give a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Apostle Peter writes in chapter 4, Above all, hold unfailing your love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Practice hospitality ungrudgingly one to another. Hospitality, the dance of life is not only to be shown or lived or danced with those with whom we are comfortable or with those who belong to the family of believers, but it is to be danced and applied to those who come from away. And when we dance that way, that speaks to an understanding on our part as of an, of an abundant living, of what it means to be abundantly living in Christ. In Genesis, Genesis 18, there's a wonderful example of hospitality of on the part of Abraham. Abraham was sitting at his tent door in the shade of the day. Apparently, that was commonly done, not only for fresh air, but also to keep an eye out for travelers who might need a place of rest and refreshment. When my wife and I were in Israel, we visited a Bedouin tent, and that was a common approach for them. It wasn't necessary for us or for travelers of the day to knock on the door and, or to speak first, but all we had to do was arrive. And then we were invited to come in. In Abraham's case, he pursued hospitality. He ran to greet his unexpected guests and then hurried off to give instructions for the preparation of food. And then he served them. Literally, in the Old Testament, he stood before them in service. That's hospitality. That's service. Others were welcomed and came first. Biblically speaking, hospitality is all about giving friendship to each other, visitors and strangers, and thereby allowing all of us to share in the well-being of God's people and to dance in the abundance of God, as Voskamp puts it. The apostles of the early church fully understood the critical importance of their openness and acceptance of others, and church historians maintain that Christianity probably would not have survived without the distinctive characteristic of hospitality and compassion they shared with those in need in the early church. And certainly one of the motivating factors in the early church was the love of Christ for all of his people, and that's, of course, where it comes from. Our hospitality, to use the language of Anne Voskamp, is our joining with the Trinitarian dance of love and life. Our offering hospitality is based on God's hospitality to us. We don't deserve it. And yet God sent his son Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for all of our sins, justified us by faith, and welcomed us into the family of God. And now, as we sang earlier, there's nothing that can separate us from the love so freely given in Christ Jesus through his death on the cross. 
These are the motivators. These are the roots of hospitality. Jesus welcomed us. We welcomed others. Jesus became a servant for us. And we, like Abraham, are to stand as servants for others, seeking to help and to encourage and to feed and to clothe and to love. Those of us who traveled to Montreal to visit Mission Montreal this past summer and to also visit the Seafarer Center where sailors come from all over the globe learned a lot about hospitality and the importance and its importance to the church. In a world where the organized church has done so much damage to people Think of clergy abuse. Think of rules put in place that have driven people away. Think of pettiness and structures that didn't allow for the movement of the Spirit because we've always done things that way. And so we're going to continue to do it that way. Think of inward-focused people. Think of those who are unwelcoming to guests and perhaps even ask them to take a different pew. Ah, oh, the church needs to reinvent itself. Hospitality needs to be understood as one of the hallmarks of the church of Jesus Christ. A church newsletter told about a man who visited 18 different churches on successive Sundays. He was trying to find out what the churches were really like. He wrote in the newsletter, quote, I sat near the front. After the service, I walked slowly to the rear, then turned to the front, returned to the front, and back to the foyer instead of using another aisle. I smiled. I, I dressed neatly. I asked one person to direct me to a specific place, a fellowship hall, pastor's study, etc. I remained for coffee if it was served. He writes, I used a scale to rate the reception I received. I awarded points on the following basis, 10 points for a smile from a worshiper, 10 for a greeting from someone sitting nearby, 100 for exchange of names, 200 for an invitation to have coffee, 200 for an invitation to return, 1,000 for an introduction to another worshiper, 2,000 for an invitation to meet the pastor. On this scale, 11 of the 18 churches earned fewer than 100 points. Five actually received less than 20. I wonder if someone were to do a study like that in this church, where we would come on that scale. The conclusion, the faith teaching may be biblical, the singing may be inspirational, the sermon may be uplifting, but when a visitor finds nobody who cares whether someone is here, that person is likely never to come back. Indeed. And I suspect that many of us have those kinds of stories. Many of us have experienced that kind of thing. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If we have the fanciest building but are not hospitable, it will be but an empty building. When a team of five of us traveled to Montreal to learn about the work of Christian Direction and Mission Montreal, one of the words that repeated itself was hospitality, which led to relationships and led to people responding to the gospel. 
in the middle of a very secularized society like Quebec, the church is reinventing itself through hospitality. Many church buildings stand empty and they're wonderful monuments, but they're dead buildings. And yet in other quarters, people are practicing hospitality. They are pursuing hospitality and the church is alive and the church of growing. In a world of increased isolation and polarization, in a world of walls and limits and oppression, allow me to quote a version of Romans 12 as written by Sylvia Kiesmatt and Brian Walsh in their book, Romans Disarmed. This is how they translate this part of Romans. Remember generosity. Care for the needs of the community. Don't stop there. Extend hospitality to strangers as well. And if the powers that be will replace the open hand with a closed fist raised in salute, then you must be an open-handed people, not only to those in your communities, but also to those outside. Providing homes to those whose families have kicked them out. Offering hospitality to those who have no community. Sanctuary for those who fear deportation. Welcome for those who would be banned. And refuge for those who are targeted and profiled. What a special day this is as we celebrate a renewed building, a beautiful building. But it only will remain that, a building, unless we pursue hospitality. Voskamp writes, when we only look out for our own interests, others lose interest in God. When we only speak about issues that concern us, the world doesn't believe there is a God who is concerned about them. Pursue hospitality. Make this a living building, an inviting place. Pursue hospitality here in our communities, in our small groups, in our homes, in our lives. Join the Trinitarian dance and live in the overflowing abundance of God's grace given to us and shown to us in Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you have called us to be your people. You have called us as a community of believers in this place. We have put up a new building. Make us a hospitable people a people who join in the Trinitarian dance of the abundance of grace. What wonderful imagery. What a wonderful gospel. Help us to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen.